When you hear the word perimenopause and menopause, women probably come to mind. But did you know that men can also experience male menopause? That's coming up right now. Hi everyone, I'm Andrea Donsky, co-founder of Morphous, and today I'm here with my really good friend, Bryce Wild, a functional medicine expert. Welcome to Morphous, Bryce. Andy, how are you? <laughs> I'm great. I'm happy that you're on the show, and we're going to be talking male menopause. So when I first asked you to come on the show, and I'm like, what should we talk about? You're like, let's talk about male menopause. And I, I got to be honest, I didn't even realize that men can go through menopause as well. We do. Uh, I affectionately refer to this as manopause. So switch out of the E for an A. Um, although men are still in there, if you call it menopause, technically it's referred to as andropause, and it's been acknowledged perhaps over the last 30 years in uh, clinical sciences. And just like women, uh, this whole process starts in our early 30s, whereas for us, testosterone starts to take a slow and steady decline, actually about 1% uh, per year. Uh, of age um, all the way through to our 80s and 90s. The difference between men and women, of course, women will slowly decline with estrogen then all of a sudden have a real uh, cutoff when their ovaries stop producing estrogen, uh, whereas ours is a slow, steady you know, uh, decline. Here's some alarming statistics though for you. you know, but 40% of us, as of age 30, are already clinically low. So I'll also share with your viewers how to test appropriately, not just skim the surface test for testosterone, but really do the deep dive to know whether or not you're low and should top up on things like herbs and supplements and of course diet and lifestyle, all that's very important. We'll share all of that information with your viewers. But you know, it's, it's interesting because you know, observational studies have seen consistent results uh, within people uh, who are in particular overweight due to low testosterone, uh, overweight or even obese for that matter. Um, the greater the weight loss, the greater the testosterone increase and so we'll talk about that uh, as well hopefully so um you know here are the symptoms as it pertains to male-based menopause or menopause or andropause they're all interchangeable we've got low energy and a lot of this sounds similar to those in uh of the female variety going through uh, menopause uh low energy depression sadness uh, inability to lose weight, decreased motivation, lowered self-confidence, that's a big one, difficulty concentrating, lacking motivation, uh, insomnia, sleeplessness, increased body fat. Um, you know, a lot of women that are listening to this are like, yeah, my man's doing that as I did when my estrogen started to decline. And so, you know, one of the strongest observational studies, Andrea, is between obesity, uh, carrying too much fat, the big beer belly, and of course, uh, the man boobs, uh, that all relates to carrying too much estrogen for us guys. And once we lose that weight, uh, that fat tissue comes off, we start to really see a strong increase in testosterone. So we'll get into all of that as well. So just so I understand clearly, so for women, when we're going into menopause, it's the decrease in estrogen, but for men, it's a decrease in testosterone. So for men- you Got it. Okay, so for men, you're saying is when if they're if they're obese and they actually lose the weight. Now, is this even is so when for women it's mostly like obviously perimenopause is 35 plus, but when you're around the age of 50, 51 and a half, we know the average age of women in menopause. It, it to increase that estrogen, 
I would think that just losing weight isn't going to increase the estrogen, but that isn't the case when it comes to male menopause. I, th I just want to understand exactly kind of like how well, that It's works. a great point that you bring up. So a couple of things to keep in mind, maybe we'll do the deep dive in genetics. Everyone's different. So you can have a man who has a slight propensity to be estrogen dominant. And we'll talk about those characteristics. Uh, they are kind of like me, uh, full head of hair into my late 40s. Um, you know, I retain, uh, you know, have a, a more difficult time retaining muscle mass, got to work my butt off in the gym to do that. Whereas you have a male who's otherwise bald um, and ripped, and he only has to go to the gym a couple of times a week, that's testosterone dominant. Um, and we'll get into the intricacies of that. But at the end of the day, that guy is going to have an easier time through andropause or manopause mm -hmm. than I will because I've already shown, and I've done my DNA to know this, I've already shown that I can be a little more estrogen dominant as a guy. And so as I lose or taper off my testosterone, estrogen will be that much more uh, dominant in me. Uh, now, it's the opposite for women. Women lose their estrogen quite quickly, and that's the true menopause. And there is the perimenopause, so it does dwindle down. But as of the, about the age 45 to 50, you know, early 50s, depending on the female, um, you can have an estrogen dominant female. Uh, or you can have a testosterone-dominant female. And the way they present differently, similar to the physiology that that testosterone-dominant female, she'll have you know, lots of muscle striations, very little uh, deposits of fat, you know, very little um, uh, you know, uh, cellulite, uh, if you look closely at the skin. Um, and she'll have an easy time losing weight. Whereas the estrogen-dominant female, she has a lot harder time. Uh, through menopause because that crash is even more accentuated. And so in order to compensate for that, estrogen then is produced in the fat tissue as well as the breasts and some other uh, tissues such as the uterus and fallopian tubes uh, in the female body. So, you know, you, what your body does quite intuitively, uh, biochemistry is quick to in, in enact the fat tissue storage mechanism because of that sharp decline in estrogen, especially for the estrogen dominant woman, she is going to purposely put on fat tissue to compensate for that significant decline. Similar things are happening for the male, but the, but the opposite way. For women who are watching right now and like, oh my gosh, my husband or my partner or my brother, father, uncle might be going through this. What are some things that they can look out for to make them watch this video? Because I think that's the key is for men to understand their bodies and what they could possibly be going through at this at a certain age. Like you said, it can start in their 30s and, up and upwards. Absolutely. So again, so let's run through the list. It's, it, you know, what we see are very similar symptoms, but again, for us, it's due to a decline, slow and steady over time of testosterone. So we're talking about mental, emotional symptoms, uh, you know, low energy. We're talking about depression, sadness, uh, lack of motivation, lack of concentration or focus, uh, troubles with sleep, uh, reduced muscle mass. That is a huge one. It's, it's hard to put on muscle if testosterone is not high enough in both men and women, by the way, uh, the man boobs, that's a big visual cue and the, the beer belly, uh, frankly, maybe we'll get into the microbiome, the gut when that's not supported, there's too much yeast overgrowth and or not enough good bacteria there. You have a hard time remaining, um, hormonally balanced whether you're female or male. Um, erectile dysfunction, we talk about that, that's a huge one. Loss of libido and erectile dysfunction, that's an obvious blatant sign. That sleeplessness and depression is key for us as clinicians to signal that, yeah, of course this man is going through uh, likely menopause. And again, the stats are clear. 10% are truly deficient in testosterone and have actual clinical symptoms uh, for low testosterone leading to true andropause. And another 40% of us guys, starting age 30, 
starting age 30 have subclinical, that is to say not overt symptoms, but we're running low on testosterone. Stress is a big contributor. It's number one North American wide silent killer, uh, and it's because of low adrenal function. And in guys, low adrenal function, you're not pumping out that precursor to, to testosterone called DHEA. Uh, it's a precursor to all hormones because the adrenals are fatigued or overly stressed. What are you doing? Your cortisol is high, you're putting on weight, and you're dipping into your testosterone reserve. So that's obviously no, uh, no good. So, so coming full circle, really, to your question, what do you do? Um, number one is get tested. Right, so at the very top, I said we'll talk about that. Maybe now's the right time. Getting tested to confirm whether or not you actually have low testosterone is so important, uh, and not just looking at testosterone because your doctor might confirm, yeah, no problem, we can run this test, and they'll do blood tests and say, yeah, looks every like everything's fine. Testosterone comes in a variety of shapes and sizes. So tightly bound testosterone uh, to a protein hormone called sex hormone binding globulin. Okay. your body can't access that. So you can test for these things. You can test for testosterone, and you can test for sex hormone binding globulin to know how much is bound and unusable. Then you can test for uh, loosely bound testosterone, regular testosterone. It's a little easier to use, but it's still hard to use. The real biomarker that the giveaway based on normal values is free testosterone, mm. free or bioavailable testosterone. That's what our bodies can actually use. If that's low, that's a dead giveaway. Um, so again, sex hormone binding globulin, SHBG, uh, bioavailable or free testosterone. And then the third one you want to look at on your blood or serum is DHT, dihydrotestosterone. So that's kind of like the strongest form of, 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 uh, of uh, testosterone. And that's, by the way, where those testosterone dominant males uh, are going to lose their hair. The advantage is, of course, they gain muscle mass very easily, but they often experience male pattern baldness at a very early age. You and I both know of, of a trick that works, supplemental trick. We'll get into that in a sec. But, but DHT has a negative consequence, and that is, it might sound great, like, yeah, muscle mass and all that wonderful stuff, but that predisposes us guys to prostate cancer and, and, and even benign prostate hypertrophy uh, and therefore urinary tract issues and all kinds of things. So getting tested is key. Here's another thing, vitamin D, zinc, magnesium. These are trace minerals elements. Vitamin D is an incredibly important hormonal precursor to testosterone. You can check for these on blood as well. 25 OHD, vitamin D, that's key. Yeah, zinc, nice. zinc and copper ratios and even red blood cell uh, level magnesium. Those three are really, really important to look at. Uh, and then Andy, one more thing, bioimpedance analysis. Not stepping on the scale, not a tanita, not a caliper pinch, but bioimpedance analysis. You get that done, it's a, it's a harmless electrode that feeds uh, information through your body, and it picks up on how much fat tissue you have. There are optimal ratios, you know, as guys, depending on your age, and of course, that muscle mass, you want optimal muscle mass and you want optimal fat tissue, minimal fat tissue. Otherwise, you're simply feeding estrogen into your system and your testosterone's already starting to tank um, and that's a double whammy. Okay, so so many questions going through my mind. Number one, so when you're going to the doctor, I just wanna summarize for a second. So you go to the doctor, men, you're going to the doctor, you wanna ask your doctor for three different types, because you mentioned there's probably five different types of, of testosterone, but you wanna ask them for three main ones, the free testosterone and the two other that you mentioned. These are blood tests that you can ask them for, or is it better to get a urine test or a saliva test for it? If we start getting really technical in my own clinical practice, I will always do both blood and urine and even genetics. 
So blood tells us kind of what's floating around. And what floats around is a very you know, difficult to uncouple form of testosterone that's bound to SHBG, sex hormone binding globulin. Then you have your regular testosterone, all of which is you know, testable from a simple blood work that your doctor can do, very widely available. And then free or bioavailable testosterone. So those are the three primary types. If you just get that done, that's pretty decent. You can get a ratio or variability as to you know, what available amounts of testosterone you might be you know, featuring as a guy. It's a dead giveaway when free testosterone is low, and then you might be a candidate if you're experiencing the symptoms we're talking about for menopause uh, in men or, or andropause. Um, if it's really low, you might be a candidate for testosterone replacement therapy, TRT, like HRT, hormone replacement therapy. Oh, really? um, that's really up to your doctor. But in, in my clinical practice and functional medicine, we'll also look at urine because looking at blood just shows us what's moving around in the blood. Looking at urine as well, is, is, is studying the end metabolites. What has your body done to use these hormones, manufacture them, and then spit them out essentially in urine? Um, and when we get these ratios, we get a really good understanding, a snapshot of what's happening right now. I mentioned genes because genes give me the full picture as to whether or not lifelong you are that proverbial estrogen dominant person or testosterone dominant person. Because no matter whether you're male or female, we all make hormones exactly the same way. Believe it or not, I express differently than you because I'm hormonally testosterone dominant as a male. Your estrogen dominant as a female, your X, uh, X uh, chromosomes dictate the fact that you have ovaries. Uh, our gonads are different. Male, I'm an XY, my Y dictates uh, my maleness. But the way we make uh, hormones is exactly the same cascade. It starts off as something called DHEA. It's also test testable. That has a lot of relationship to the adrenal glands. The glands in charge of stress that sit on your kidneys. So DHEA into progesterone. And then progesterone turns into testosterone. Mm -hmm. And then testosterone turns into estrogen. That whole cascade, male or female, we do it the same way. Some of us do it faster than others. I make more overall testosterone. You make more overall estrogen. But studying the genes and the interplay of each step along that pathway and how fast or slow those steps are, we can intervene using you know, nutrition, lifestyle, and supplements to really personalize. So it's, we, could, we could ultimately end up doing the real deep dive, but anyone listening today know that the best way to have your doctor check if it's just simply through you know a universal health care plan or a HMO or a, it's a statewide and a province-wide you know, jurisdiction when it comes to the testing and fees mm -hmm. but just doing the free testosterone testosterone uh, and then SHBG will still give you a really good uh, uh, degree of understanding and I'm gonna put a link to getting if you want to get your DNA tested we'll have put a link below for you to get it tested I highly recommend it and I think Bryce I know that you know from the there are companies out there who do it. We were, I, I have a link to the DNA company and I do think that's crucial. I've done my testing and also it's important also to understand how you digest starch and how you detox your body. I mean, there's so many other things that are important for it, which we can save for another video because I do think it's an important one to talk about. Okay. So you mentioned something before about the connection between testosterone and prostate cancer, I believe. What was that connection and how can men prevent, like, so what, should all men be on certain supplements in order to prevent that something like that happening? Explain what that connection is. Yeah, so it's a deep genetic connection, first and foremost. Uh, often uh, doctors are looking at PSA, right? It's a test that, uh, depending on your 
age as a man and your ethnicity, frankly, there's higher risk in African-American men, lower in uh, you know, white men. But, but depending on all that, your doctors start to look at PSA or prostate-specific antigen, right? That's an immune uh, system response to a prostate that's growing in size. Um, and that could signal anything from benign uh, prostate hypertrophy or the enlargement of the prostate gland, very common in men, uh, or even prostate cancer. Um, so along with something called the DRE or the digital rectal exam, also something we don't look forward to on an annual, but to do that and get a feel of the size, uh, as well as to look on blood, gives a good, a good sense of the health uh, of your prostate. However, looking at your DNA can shed a lot more light even earlier on. So remember we've talked about this cascade, kind of the waterfall of flow. Uh, we all, male or female, make testosterone from progesterone. So, so if I find that and that's controlled by a gene, and you don't have to remember any of this, but called CYP17A1. So progesterone into testosterone. So if that gene is slow as a guy, and I want to maybe speed it up, providing downstream there's no danger, I'll explain. But I might use something called CLA, conjugated linoleic acid. You know, great studies have shown that you can speed that, uh, that up. However, I mentioned downstream, if downstream, I'm making too much DHT really quickly. And again, phenotypically, or the way I look, I might be bald already and I might you know, be jacked by going to the gym only twice a week, but my prostate's at greater risk. Why? Because DHT is known to stimulate growth of the prostate gland as well. So if you're not clearing, and you mentioned detoxification, so we're not just talking about ethereal toxins and chemicals in the environment, we're talking about the end metabolites of your own hormones can be toxic. So if you're clearing DHT effectively, uh, you may want to use uh, quercetin, for example, or EGCG from green tea to help you detox or clear that DHT. But if you're slow all the way along and you want to make more testosterone, you might be talking about using things like fenugreek uh, or polyphenols because in a guy that will help to block uh, something called aromatase or estrogens and help ramp up. Uh, testosterone, right? So nothing. It's all all kinds of different uh, ways in which we assess. But DNA tells us a lot. And full circle to really be clear about your the, the answer to your question. Understanding from a genetic perspective how you clear your testosterone as a guy predicts very heavily as to whether or not you'll have a problem, a benign problem, or even cancer with your testosterone later on in life. Are there any supplements or lifestyle choices that you would recommend to all men that they should be doing, regardless of what their DNA or their genetics are? Stress um, causes the adrenal glands to fatigue and ultimately DHEA production, which is the precursor upstream to testosterone, declines. So stress equals low testosterone. So learning lifestyle approaches to lowering stress, managing your stress is key. Um, you know, getting a better sleep, deeper sleep. Uh, making sure that you are exercising and burning off that cortisol first thing in the morning, uh, making sure you're learning to you know, properly meditate or be mindful. Uh, all these things that can lower stress that have been clinically studied and evaluated as effective is almost number one. We've also seen, of course, keeping weight down. Um, you know, that's, that's right up there, lifestyle, diet. You know, in the words of Michael Pollan, one of my favorite um, authors and uh, New York Times bestseller, multiple books, The Omnivore Dilemma, you know, uh, his slogan anyway, eat food, and what he means by that is local organic, not too much, mm -hmm. mainly plants. That's his slogan. It's a three-part slogan. I could never have said it more simply, so as an homage to him, that's what I'd highly recommend. You know, um, supplementally, this is my area of expertise, of course, ingredients. Um, I love ashwagandha and rhodiola. Love those two. They're stress busters. 
uh, but ashwagandha in some clinical studies have also shown to you know nicely boost testosterone. Um, uh, you know, muscle uh, enhancement. We want again do much more weight-bearing activities. Tribulus, which is a which is an herb, can help with that. Um, uh, horny goatweed. I actually named one of my companies after that. Horny goatweed Inc. It's actually a thorny bush uh, that have been empirically observed that you know that that goats will uh, munch on. Um, but uh, for whatever reasons they do that, if we take this, there's been some decent studies to show not just an increase in testosterone, but perhaps even a low lowering of that uh, sex hormone binding globulin that holds on to testosterone and won't let it go to be usable. Um, intermittent fasting, huge intermittent fasting. So that is to recreate your, your feeding window to about an eight hour window, no more. So for let's say, you know, between 10 and six and the rest of the time you're fasting. That'll manage insulin, you'll drop you know, fat tissue, you'll probably get better sleeps at night from that as well. Uh, that is shown to you know, pretty significantly increase testosterone. But once again, by increasing your lean muscle and decreasing your, your fat tissue. And then of course, uh, limiting alcohol. Alcohol in any sh you know, shape or form, whether it's red wine or beer or spirits, liquor, uh, too much of that is gonna contribute to estrogen. Uh, most people don't realize this, but these are estrogen mimickers. And uh, beer especially, hot beer, that's what we, we call the beer belly, uh, the beer belly uh, for a reason, because there's so many empty calories in beer, uh, but also that fat tissue, let's not remember, around your hip uh, for a guy is gonna contribute to uh, estrogen. So uh, those are just some, there's many others, but those are some uh, that are probably top line for me as I recommend to my patients in the clinical setting. You mentioned exercise in the morning to burn off cortisol. That's interesting. So you're saying that's the best way to manage stress, I guess, or one of the side effects of cortisol? So cortisol is naturally higher as soon as we open our eyes and light hits our uh, you know, retina and we start to produce serotonin, the day cycle hormone for it's a feel good mood related hormone. And we start to cancel off melatonin. But cortisol is a stress hormone, but it's naturally supposed to be elevated in the morning, and then it's supposed to come down toward and, and start to you know, taper off around 4 or 5 p.m., and then really take a slump so as to relax us and naturally allow melatonin uh, to take over from serotonin to keep us into deep sleep. By the way, sleep is not just the you know, hours of uh, time you clock on your pillow. The depth of sleep, that's going to contribute to increasing testosterone as well, quality of sleep sleep hygiene, um, that's keeping a cool room comfortable, making sure you're not waking up from you know, the slightest noise um, and, uh, you know, and right. a noise canceling device. But, but sleep is key. When court, it's, it's funny because what I see in a clinical practice is often the reverse, people waking up with low cortisol and then and ramping up toward uh, the afternoon and end of the day. That's where I love to use these, what we call adaptogens, uh, which are uh, herbs, botanicals, often uh, Ayurvedic medicine, Indian, uh, ancient traditional medicine from India. But ashwagandha is one of my favorites because studies show that it can nicely increase uh, testosterone as well. Um, yeah, so cortisol, you want to burn that off uh, first thing in the morning. When it's high, exercise helps to bring it down. Um, and by the way, getting uh, exercise in too late in the evening can rev up your engines, make your body too hot, and then interrupt your sleep, which is not a good thing. We just did an interview with somebody on adaptogens, and I'm going to put it up in the link in the card above. So if you want to watch it, I highly recommend it. And I'm also a huge fan of adaptogens. You mentioned ashwagandha, and, and I'm going to switch this for females for one second. If it increases testosterone, is it safe for females to take in perimenopause and menopause, or is it something that we should avoid? Right. Great question. And so once again, I'm going to throw it back to 
personalization. So I don't give it to every female. If I see that they're already slightly testosterone um, uh, dominant, uh, I may not. Uh, but that's not the case in, in you know, most women. Most women, especially as they're experiencing menopause, they're tanking for uh, estrogen and testosterone. Uh, so often we're using a combination of things that will help boost or let's call it balance uh, estrogen um, and there's no harm in, in a potential slight boost in testosterone. Let's keep in mind what happens to testosterone in the female body. In a female body, in a male body, but in, 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 in anybody, testosterone turns into estrogen. So if we can boost estrogen or testosterone a little bit in the female body who is in menopause, what we're doing actually is just downstream creating a little bit more of the estrogen that they're missing. Which is a good thing, right, exactly. Interesting. So, so I want to go to mood swings a little bit because one of the things as females tend to have some side effects or signs and symptoms, we'll call them of menopause, is the whole mood thing. Does that affect men as well? Like I got, you know, you think about midlife crisis, does that kind of play into the whole mood thing for men who are in andropause or menopause, like you said? Absolutely. You've heard of the classic age old st uh, story of the man who's in his early 50s and uh, he's experiencing sleeplessness a little bit of uh, you know depression and low mood and what does he do he goes out and he buys a red ferrari right if you can afford it right and that's the midlife crisis actually that experience of looking forward to something planning and executing will boost not only dopamine the reward uh, neurochemical but also testosterone um you know uh, uh, it, it's uh, it's unbelievable how much the brain uh, and even perception has to do with the periphery and, and how many, you know, and how much, you know, the endocrine system is going to engage. That's the system that makes hormones. We call this uh, PNEI or psychoneuroendocrine immune. Uh, and the PNE, part of that PNEI acronym is psychology, uh, neuro, which is brain, um, and then uh, endocrine, which is hormones. There's an interplay, a whole highway between all these things. So you, you have this slight steady decline in testosterone for a guy and, you know, come, you know, 50, let's do the quick math from we said earlier, at least 1% reduction per year, starting at age uh, 30. So you're already 20% decline, you know, reduced in the amount of testosterone you're producing. Um, that's big. That's huge for a guy. And getting a feel-good mechanism in, in play is going to give that, you know, testosterone a slight boost. Um, so, so there's that. And the big thing to keep in mind is a difference for women is that there's this slow and steady decline. You refer to it as there's actually pre-peri, peri, uh, and then pre-menopause, then menopause, and then post-menopause. There's sort of five classic or technical uh, stages. But when you're in pre- and perimenopause, just before menopause, um, you're kind of like a guy in slow, steady decline. But once you hit classic or technical menopause, it's a huge slump. So now your brain is not telling your ovaries to make estrogen is not making a follicle or releasing an egg every uh, month. And uh, so 12 months without a period, um, you're technically in menopause. That's a fast, hard decline. I mentioned that over 30 to 50 for a guy, 20% reduction. Right at that moment in time almost, that year that a female experiences it, they decline in up to 70% of their overall estrogen production. So that experience is drastic. That's why she, she the female, will get you know, um, extreme mood differences in, in, in many, not all, um, hot flashes. So this is a vasodilatory issue related to menopause, extreme and rapid weight gain. So it's slow and steady for guys. We've got the advantages as it relates to the slow and steady aspect. Hmm. 
And you, you talked about PNEI in our other video, which I'm again, I'm going to link to above in the card above. Uh, we did a, an interview with Bryce a little bit ago, and we talked about brain health, and you did mention PNEI. So if you do want to watch it, I highly recommend it. It is such a good interview. So please hit the card above and the link above, and you will be able to watch it there. Bryce, so I, I, and I, it's interesting that you said that about the mood and how it plays out in men, because I do think it's something that, and I would love to do a whole other video with you on a male perspective, kind of how to support women in menopause and perimenopause. So that's not for today's interview, but I'm going to put that in my notes because I do think it's an interesting one. So we'll have all you men watch that video so you can understand what we're going through. But now we're talking about men and we're talking about andropause. Is there anything else that you feel would be important for the men and the women who are watching this on behalf of a male that we didn't talk about today that you think like, yes, let's talk about this, which will help them understand certain things about their body? Look, I know I've, we've thrown so much out there. It's uh, it's um, difficult to keep uh, up with all of it. A lot of it's medical and technical terms. Um, but I'll tell you, getting tested to understand you personally is probably what I would say is really important. So first, okay, do I have andropause? You want to ask yourself that question. Do I have male menopause? The answer is a, an irrefutable yes if you're you know, 40, 50, 60 years old as a man. We all do, so that's it. Do you have it? Yes, you have it, but it's a natural, it's a rite of passage, um, just as it would be for a female. How intensely you have it, you should consider some of the you know, clinical signs and symptoms. So if mood discrepancy, low energy, you know, if there's depression, sleeplessness, loss of libido, loss of an ability to have an erection, these are classic keynote symptoms you wanna to go to your doctor for, um, you know, because uh, you know, 10% have these classic symptoms, and uh, they may require actual testosterone replacement therapy. These uh, supplements we've been throwing out and lifestyle efforts probably won't cut it. Uh, and a lot of this has to do with genetics. Um, uh, so I'd say get tested. And also don't forget about the non-hormone tests that are so important uh, as precursors to making or helping your body make more uh, testosterone. So just as a recap, uh, red blood cell level of magnesium, not just serum or floating magnesium, RBC magnesium. You'll have to, in most jurisdictions uh, in North America, pay for that one. It's well worth it because then you know whether you should supplement with magnesium. Um, zinc and your zinc to copper ratio, easy test to run. Again, it's your blood. And if you're low, zinc is so huge, not only for you know uh, hormone production, testosterone support, but also the health of your prostate. And by the way, a handful of pumpkin seeds once a night you know, uh, might do the trick uh, as it relates to zinc, but if you're really deficient, you want, you want to supplement. And then especially north of 40 degrees latitude, you know, uh, in North America, you need to be supplementing with vitamin D, but how much? And again, it's a very important precursor uh, to, to testosterone. Uh, how much is dependent on your 25-OHD serum blood test? Once you know that, you work with your doctor to get up to optimal levels. This is typically two to 4,000 international units every day with a fatty meal or some kind of an oil, yeah. uh, like an olive oil-based salad dressing or your fish oils that you might be supplementing with uh, every day, which is great for all aspects of health. So, so there you have it. I mean, we will all develop uh, andropause. We will all have manopause, but to what degree um, is uh, really only revealed by clinical symptoms and or the feelings that one has subjectively and testing. So Bryce, is there anything that we didn't talk about today that you'd like to share before we end our interview? So, you know, we, we, uh, we talked about a whole bunch of stuff, but again, I'll, I'll just reiterate the importance of testing yourself and, and looking at uh, your DNA. Um, I'm a co-founder of a company that you mentioned earlier on. You actually did uh, your DNA testing through the DNA company. 
DNAcompany.com, the DNA company, and we look at how your hormones uh, operate based on your genetics, and then we can you know, look at customizing a formula for you based on your DNA. The urinary testing is really important as well. The one we use at P3 Health is called Dutch. It's a dried urine test, uh, and this is um, a, a product of Precision Analytical. So you can just actually, their website, I believe, is dutchtest.com. Uh, and that's a wonderful one to look at a snapshot of this moment in time, what your body is manufacturing, and then, of course, how you're metabolizing it. You know what we did, Andy, earlier on? We talked about how one of the symptoms of, of menopause could be you know, hair loss, and that you and I both have this uh, shared you know, secret. It's not, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it shouldn't be a secret. So they're at a Malaysian palm oil, and these are clinically verified studies. Malaysian palm oil, there's an extract from um, this red palm oil called tocotrienols. Um, that's the active ingredient in this product, which is available on Amazon and, and many health food stores and even over the counter. I'm a big fan. It works. It works. There's, there's human clinical trials to prove significant between 30 and 50% hair regrowth using this very, it's a derivative of vitamin E, tocotrienol. is uh, very important for your heart health, for your uh, immune system, for your brain health, but it also ends up being that they, uh, this ingredient helps you to uh, regrow your <laughs> well, I know there's a mutual friend, Bryce, and I have, and we'll put a bunch of links to uh, different brands of the tocotrienols below because I'm also a huge fan. Anything that's coming out of Malaysia when it comes to palm fruit, is all, it's all sustainably grown but, uh, and harvested. But what's amazing is our mutual friend was saying that he technically should be bald, but he's been taking it for 20 years and he has this beautiful full head of hair. So that, so that alone was incredible like a, as a testimonial for palm fruit oil. So I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, I mean, again, uh, actually, people can go to uh, tocotrienol uh, or yeah, tocotrienols.org, and it's a non-branded website on everything tocotrienols, and look at the hair regrowth studies that have been done there. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, the brain studies are you know much more formidable, and the cardiovascular research is, of course, the number one uh, research. But yeah, it just turns out this was a side benefit that was then documented uh, in human clinical trials. No, was there a certain amount that we should, that, uh, and again, is it men and women that could take this or is it? Yeah, men and women can both take this for male pattern baldness. So I'm just trying to remember, I think it's hundred milligrams twice a day. Uh, this has some other things in it, which are probably also helping. Um, but let me just remind myself of the exact amount that's in here. Um, yeah, so it's 50 milligrams. So twice a day, so hundred milligrams a day. Thank you so much, Bryce. Where can people find you? Thank you. Um, Social media is at Wild on Health. Uh, website is wildonhealth.com, where there's over half a million pages of free information. Um, and I love to answer uh, questions. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for watching today. If you have a male in your life that you would like to share this with, please do, because the more you share shows you care. And if you got value out of today's video, please give us a big thumbs up and leave a comment. I'd love to know your thoughts on what we talked about today and hit that notification bell so that you are notified every single time we have a new Marcus video. Thanks for watching everyone. We'll see you next time.